0: I'm your host, Tom Kearns, and welcome to the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. Episode 16, Alcuin of York. So next episode is going to be the end of our look at Northumbria. And so I felt it would be remiss of me not to devote an episode before we wrap it all up to another one of that kingdom's most famous sons. This episode will be looking at the life and impact of Alcuin of York, a man with a good claim to being the most influential Anglo-Saxon of them all, at least on an international level. Alcuin was born in Northumbria in the 730s. We don't know exactly when, and we know very little about his background, although it's speculated that he came from a churlish family. Churl, being derived from the Old English chaol, which refers to a person who was not of the nobility, but who also wasn't a peasant, and thus was free, despite still being subordinate to a noble lord. When he was a boy, Alcuin entered the school at York Minster, during the episcopacy of Edgbert, brother of King Eadbert, discussed in episode 14, who was then in the process of establishing York as an archbishopric, and with it undertaking a great reorganisation and revitalisation of the Minster's intellectual life. The school established there specialised in providing a comprehensive education in the seven classical liberal arts. The school at York was to have a formative effect on Alcuin and, through him, on the rest of Western Europe, but we'll discuss that more in due time. Upon graduating in the 750s, Alcuin became the head of the York School founded by Paul Linus in 627, and which still exists today as St. Paul's School, making it the third oldest school in the world. Alcuin was also ordained a deacon, but there is no evidence to suggest that he ever became a priest. Similarly, it is unclear if he was a monk, although he certainly never married and lived an intensely religious life. The net effect was for Alcuin to quickly attain a reputation for learning and piety, which made him a prime candidate to be sent to Rome in 781 to petition the Pope for official recognition of York's archiepiscopal status, and to confirm the newly elected Archbishop Aenbald. It was on this trip to Rome, while staying in the Italian city of Parma, that Alcuin met the Carolingian Emperor Charlemagne, the most powerful man in Western Europe after the Pope, and possibly even more powerful than him. We don't know the exact details of the meeting, but Charlemagne and Alcuin clearly hit it off. The Emperor was so impressed by the Englishman that he invited Alcuin to return with him to the imperial city of Aachen. You see, Charlemagne had a vision for turning Francia into a seat of learning and religion. To that end, he gathered around him a circle of famous men from across Europe, who would help educate both him and his people. Alcuin seems to have been especially valuable, since he was made head of the court school in Aachen, making him personally responsible for the education of Charlemagne himself, his sons, and the sons of the nobility. It was Alcuin who introduced Charlemagne to the liberal arts, and it was through his influence that they were structured into the two-part division of the introductory trivium grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and the advanced quadrivium arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy, which defined what we mean today by a classical education. Hi listeners, I wanted to take a second to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, restaurant-quality and dietitian approved and it's all ready to go in two minutes with minimal meal prep. I've had some fantastic meals like butter chicken and tomato risotto with Factor, and I've got to say I've been extremely impressed with all of them, they genuinely are restaurant-quality. You'll get over 35 different options to choose from every week if you try out Factor, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus and Keto. Also with pancakes, smoothies and more, there's over 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and ready to go throughout the day. Factor also works around your schedule. You can order as little or as much as you need each week, and they even let you reschedule deliveries any time of when those unexpected somethings happen to pop up. And to top it all off, Factor is cheaper than ordering takeout, so it really is a smart move to try it out. Get started today and get after your goals. If you're interested in trying Factor, head to factormeals.com/anglo50 and use code ANGLO50 to get 50% off. That's code ANGLO50 at factormeals.com/anglo50 to get 50% off. Some evidence for how he taught in this setting is found in a book of recreational mathematical problems, which he probably wrote at some point between 791 and 799. The book, called Problems to Sharpen the Young, is filled with word puzzles meant to encourage mathematical and logical thinking. Several of the problems he created are still used in classrooms today in some form, such as the wolf, goat, and cabbage problem, which is more commonly found today as the fox, chicken, and grain problem. This is the one where a farmer has to ferry all the objects over a river in a tiny boat without any of the objects being eaten by any of the other objects. As well as a teacher, Alcuin also acted as an advisor to Charlemagne, particularly on the issues of converting pagans. On this topic the emperor had a bloodthirsty zeal, which caused him to order the death penalty for any pagans who refused a baptism. As part of these decades-long Saxon wars to Christianize Saxony, roughly corresponding to modern-day northwestern Germany, Charlemagne issued in 782 a capitulary, that is, a royal ordinance, which ordered that all Saxons who refused baptism were to be put to death The Saxon wars were extremely bloody, and mass executions, sometimes on the scale of several thousand people in one day, are recorded. Alcuin was outraged by this, and castigated Charlemagne in a letter. He argued that forced baptism is pointless, since faith is an act of free will, and thus while you can force a person to be baptised, you cannot force them to believe, which is essential for their salvation. This argument seems to have actually worked, since Charlemagne did indeed make refusal to accept baptism a non-capital offence. Soon after, despite finding success and for- well, maybe not fortune, but success and a steady career in Charlemagne's court, Alcuin nevertheless remained fond of his home, and returned to Northumbria in 790. One of his aims in doing this seems to have been to try and reform the court of King Ethelred, who we'll talk about in the next episode, who was known to enjoy putting his enemies to death, among other unsavoury things. However, Alcuin was soon called back to Francia by Charlemagne to combat the adoptionist heresy which had appeared in Toledo at around that same time. This was a multi-year undertaking and culminated in the Council of Frankfurt in 794, which, among other things, formally condemned the Adoptionist leaders as heretics. However, all the while, Ethelred continued his sinful ways, and Alcuin, who had been forced to leave Northumbria before he could really do much good, never returned to his homeland. The way the wind was blowing had become very clear to him by 794. A year before, in 793, Viking raiders had attacked Lindisfarne, and this event had spurned Alcuin to write letters to Hiobald, Bishop of Lindisfarne, Athelherd, Archbishop of Canterbury, and to King Ethelred himself, lamenting the attack and, in part, blaming Ethelred's sinfulness for inviting the wrath of God upon Northumbria. The raid affected Alcuin so deeply that he even wrote a poem based on it, from the information that he had received from contacts back in England, with the intent of commemorating the horror of that day. This was all during Alcuin's final waning years. In 796, a now 60-year-old Alcuin finally retired to become Bishop of Marmoutier Abbey, where he worked for the rest of his life in perfecting the Caroline Minuscule script. This script is the ancestor of of all our modern letter forms. It was there that he died in 804, having remained friends with Emperor Charlemagne for all of the intervening years. Throughout his life, Alcuin was a prolific letter writer and poet. He also composed various books on grammar, rhetoric and theology. He advocated for Northumbrian history and the Latin learning of the English in Francia. He is also credited with the invention of the question mark. Intellectually, Alcuin was a giant and played a key role in shaping the course of Western European education and learning. Arguably, he's of even greater importance than Bede, for while Bede is admired for the breadth of his learning and the subtlety of his mind, Alcuin helped establish many of the basic building blocks that would shape the minds of countless generations. Thus, his impact was ultimately more practical than Bede's. I'm not a utilitarian, so I don't think Alcuin's impact being more practical necessarily makes him more important. But it is undeniable that this one Northumbrian of an unknown background was key to shaping the worldviews and lives of countless people from his own day down to our own. And that, if you think about it, is pretty extraordinary. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. If you have, I'd like to request that you leave a positive review, positive rating, a like, a follow or a subscribe on you know, depending on whatever platform you use, it helps to make more people aware of what it is I'm trying to do. And since I'm doing this because I love sharing this history and this period with you and with, uh, with people who don't know much about it, but who are interested, your contributing in that little way is extremely appreciated. But that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. Once again, this is the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, and I've been your host, Tom Kearns.